Hey, this is Andre Butler, pastor of Faith Experience Church. You're listening to the Faith Experience Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope that this message helps you engage your faith and experience the future God has for you. Well, today we're continuing what we started the last couple of weeks, which is a series called It's Gonna Be All Right. And of course, we know we're dealing with the coronavirus pandemic right now. And so schools are closed, businesses are closed. Most of us are actually quarantined at home. And there are a lot of negative things about that. There are some positive things that we can look at that are a result of that as well. But what people are really dealing with in the middle of this is fear. A lot of people are afraid of being sick, uh, afraid of, of what's happening in their financial lives, afraid of what may be coming for our country. And yet the Lord spoke to us at the end of the year at FX Church and told us that in 2020, it's going to be all right. And I believe that was a prophetic word that God told us that ahead of time so we could hold on to that and we could believe that and it would keep us together while we go through this difficult time. And so the very first week, we really talked about that, got into that little bit and learned that we need to refuse to fear, that we need to resist sickness and that we need to receive healing if we need it. And then uh, last week, we went a little farther into receiving healing and looked at the fact that the Bible reveals very clearly that God wants you well. And we talked about the importance of receiving from God by faith. And so I want to pick up there. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 27 reads, As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. And when he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him. I want you to notice these blind men are following Jesus. They're crying out, have mercy. And that word mercy means compassion on us. They're very similar to a guy in Matthew chapter eight that we looked at last week that said to Jesus, if you will, if you want to, I know you can heal me. Well, they're saying the same thing. We know you can heal us. Please heal us. And so Jesus allows them to come into the house. He allows them to come to him. And then notice what he says to them. Do you believe that I am able to do this? Well, notice he asked them what they believe. Why? Because faith is a necessary ingredient for miracles. You know, in my house, really right to my left, I have a, a nice flat screen television. I've got my Xbox connected to it. I've got my Apple TV connected to it. But there is a switch on the wall that has to be flipped up for all of that to work. If you accidentally uh, turn that off, then doesn't matter what you do with the television, doesn't matter what you do with the remotes, they won't work. And that's how the power of God is. It is there, it is able to heal, it's able to do great things in your life, but you gotta flip on the switch of faith. And so that's what Jesus is asking them. He's saying, do you believe? Do you have the light on, right? And they said, yes, Lord. And, they were, and then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you and their sight was restored. Well, in the Bible, we see a number of cases where people touch Jesus or Jesus touches them and they are healed. Why? Because there is power in his touch. There is power in his hands. In fact, there's a place in the Bible where someone just touched the hem of his garment and power came out of that. But notice he didn't just touch them and say, all right, there's my power, you're healed. No, he said, according to your faith, be it unto you. In other words, your faith determines what happens to you. And that's one of the things we got to get a hold of. A lot of times when we pray, we pray expecting God to do things just because we prayed. 
but it's not prayer that brings you healing. It's prayer in faith that brings you healing. In fact, Mark chapter 11, verse 24 says it this way. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive, that word even means to take them, and you will have them. So notice that when you pray, if you believe you receive, if you believe you take it, then that's when you will have it. That's when you'll see it happen in your life. So I remember reading a book not too long ago, and I think it was Lillian B. Yeomans, and she was talking about this, how, you know, prayer and, and, and taking are both parts of faith. Faith prays and faith takes. So it's kind of like walking around on one leg. Well, that's you praying, but for you to really be effective in walking, you got to put the other leg down. At some point, you got to take. So the prayer of faith says, Father, I ask you for this, and I believe you're giving it to me. I take it now, and now you'll see it in your life. This is important because whether or not we receive healing in this time, whether or not we walk in health in the middle of this is dependent on our faith. There are very, very good people who lose their lives in times like this simply because they did not activate their faith. And a lot of times they didn't even know how to do it. I want to help you to activate your faith. But of course, to activate your faith, you first must have faith. Romans 10, 17 says this. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, how do we get faith? Faith comes ultimately by hearing God's word. Faith comes by getting a hold of what God said in the Bible and then causing that to be rooted in our hearts to the place where we believe it, not believe it with our head, but we believe it in our heart. We're fully persuaded in here that what God said is so, what God said is so about me. John 15, seven, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible says it this way, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Notice the key there is to take God's word and cause it to be tattooed in your heart. When God's word is tattooed in your heart, right? When it's living in there, that's when faith comes. That's when the light comes on. You see something in scripture that you hadn't really seen before. That's when it's like fire shut up in your bones. That's when it just kind of comes out of your mouth without you working it up. That's the place you got to get to. That place where I know that I know that what God said is true about me. Listen, if an intruder tries to break into this house, and, uh, and in this house, I, I have no problem telling you, I've got a couple of weapons. If you know my dad, you shouldn't be surprised. <laughs> and um, and so, you know, I see somebody's trying to break in the house. I go grab one of my guns and, and I make a decision. You know, I'm going to point the gun at this guy and I'm going I'm to let him know you're going to have to walk out of here. And he tries to attack me. And then I shoot the gun, but I never put any bullets in it. I mean, no, I'm in trouble, right? I'm in trouble. I better know how to do something else. And that's what a lot of Christians struggle with is that we, we know all the right things to say. We've got the gun, right? And the enemy, enemy attacks our household, attacks our bodies, and we try to shoot it. But because the God's word is not actually rooted in our hearts, we don't have anything happen. And we end up with the same results everybody else has. So what should we do? We should take the time to plant God's word in our hearts. We should take the time to make sure that God's words are, are rooted in our hearts. We need to inoculate ourselves 
from the coronavirus and any other type of sickness that may try to come into our bodies or in our houses by planting God's word in our heart, making sure that we are ready to speak or pray in faith. You know, I, I have an app on my phone and it blocks robo, it's, it's a robocall app. In other words, if I'm getting a call from a robocaller, it lets me know. And so I know not to answer that call. We need to install the immunity app on our phones, right? We need to install that in our hearts. We got to put God's word in our hearts so that when sickness comes, we automatically repel that. In fact, another example that may be even better is that we often get flu shots in our country ahead of flu season. Why? Because it causes us to be immune to the flu. Well, we've got to give ourselves some faith shots and faith injections. We got to make sure God's word in this area is in our heart so that when the coronavirus or any other type of sickness tries to come and attack our bodies, try to come in our houses, we're able to repel that. We're able to resist it in faith. I say all that to say that I want to help you with that today. I believe that you need to see in here on the inside that God has given you everything you need to walk in divine immunity, that God has positioned you to be able to say the coronavirus or any sickness or disease, not in my house. And so let's, let's walk through the Bible story for a moment. I won't take you to every scripture, but if you were to go to Genesis chapter one, we read at the end of that chapter after God created the sun and the stars and the animals and he created the seas and then he created man and woman that he looked at everything he made and he said it was very good. You notice what was missing from that list? God didn't create sickness. That man and that woman were completely healthy. As far as God was concerned, it was very good for man and woman to live free of sickness and disease. In fact, the Bible teaches that God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. That word prosperity comes from a Hebrew word, which means having nothing broken and nothing missing in our lives. You see, nobody negotiated God into providing health for us. Nobody twisted his arm and said, you got to put health in the deal. No, God wants us healthy. He enjoys seeing us living healthy lives. It's not all that different than I do with my kids. When I was a kid, I had a few health issues, nothing major, but enough that it caused some problems in my life. So I had my life. I had some some serious allergies. I had some asthma issues. I remember going to church picnics and ending up in the hospital just because I had been running in the grass. My kids are so much healthier than I was. And that's something I enjoy watching them go outside and play and do things I couldn't do just as a natural father. Well, how much more does God enjoy seeing his children live their lives without sickness or disease? And that's part of why he did what he did in Exodus chapter 15. And that's part of why he did what he did in Exodus chapter 15. Of course, in Exodus, Israel had just came out of the Red Sea. God had delivered them from Egypt. God had given them silver and gold. They came, uh, they were victorious over Pharaoh's army. And the Bible says when they walked out, they walked out without one of them being feeble or sick. God healed the entire nation at one time, which means everybody was healthy. So that makes this promise here a little weird. The timing seems a little funny. But in Exodus 15, 26, he said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on any of you the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. 
Notice the promise. I won't allow any, not one disease on any of you. In other words, I will protect you from all sickness and all disease. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter seven, he's talking to the same people and it says there, and the Lord will protect you from all sickness. He will not let you suffer from the terrible diseases you knew in Egypt, but he will inflict them on all your enemies. Once again, he promised to protect them from all sickness. And that's really the context of Exodus 15. He was talking to a nation of people who were already healed. Everybody had just come out of the healing service. Everybody was already celebrating that they could do things they weren't able to do before. And then he said, I am the Lord that heals you. I will protect you. In other words, I am Jehovah Rapha, or another way of looking at it is Jehovah physician. I am your physician. You know, there are some physicians that don't just help people when they get sick. They help people to prevent being sick. They help them to not ever get sick. Sometimes we call them holistic doctors and the like. Well, God is saying here that if you get sick, I'll get you healed. But I really would like to put you in a position I can protect you so in such a way that you never get sick. I can help you to walk in health. And that's the promise that he made to them. You know, I remember hearing uh, Dad Hagen, Kenneth Hagen. He's a man of God who had a huge impact on my life and so many other individuals' lives throughout this country and this world. And he talked about the fact that after God healed him, of two incurable diseases that he went years without even knowing he had a body. In other words, he had no pain, no sickness. He said he couldn't even remember what it was like to have a headache. Why? How did he get there? Because he learned to walk in divine health. He took advantage of the promise that God gave to Israel and God gave to us believers today, a promise to protect us from all sickness, a promise to keep us, to cause us to be immune from the sickness and disease that's in the world. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, God is talking to Israel, and he's talking to him at this point about what happened during the 40 years that they were in the wilderness. I won't go too deep into the story, but ultimately, they made a mistake, and they ended up spending 40 years in the wilderness. And yet, notice what God did. He said, for all these 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out, and your feet didn't blister or swell. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me that an entire nation of people, whether it was 200,000, 500,000, or two to three million, as some believe, an entire nation of people spent 40 years walking around in the wilderness? They didn't have Nikes. They didn't have sandals like we do. They, they didn't have footwear like we do. They didn't walk on paved roads or, you know, uh, nice manicured grass. They walked in the wilderness. That means they're walking on rocks and uneven terrain and things along those lines. They spent 40 years doing that and nobody even had a blister. How is that possible? God protected them from it. You know, how insignificant is a blister, right? When you have it, it gets on your nerves, but it doesn't stop your life. And God's saying that I protected you from even blisters because I don't want you to have any pain, any sickness in your body. That's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of power he has. No matter what's going on around you, no matter oh, what other people are dealing with, God can protect you from it. In fact, Israel had seen this before when they were in Egypt 
and plague after plague after plague came on Egypt. A plague of darkness. Well, there was light in Goshen. A plague of lice or a plague, of course, of the firstborn dying. God always protected his people. They were kind of in a, in a God bubble where God protected them from whatever was going on in the world around us, around them. And I don't know about you, but that's what I'm believing God for each and every one of us, that we live in that bubble, that we're in a place where God is protecting us from what's going on around us. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But of course, if you were to keep reading in Deuteronomy chapter 28, you can see that God promised them that what he had did for them in the wilderness is what he'd keep doing for them. That if they would just obey him, they would be protected from all sickness, all disease, any type of ailment that would be going on the road around them. And, and if you look at their story, you'll find that that's true. That there are a number of times where we find them going into disobedience. And because of their disobedience, they dealt with people dying. They dealt with people being bitten by serpents and things along those lines. But that's the only time we'd ever read about that. That means all those other times, people weren't dying prematurely. People weren't being killed by wild animals, which is what you would think would happen in the wilderness, right? People were not dealing with sickness and disease. They were only dealing with it when they chose to live in sin against God. God protected them. He gave them divine immunity and he will do the same thing for you. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24 reveals that Jesus really already took care of that. It says, who, him owns, who, who himself, excuse me, bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. Get this, by whose stripes you were healed. Of course, the Bible is talking about the fact that Jesus bore stripes on his back so we could be healed. And we talked a little bit about this last week where the Bible teaches that Jesus was scourged. And uh, I read this to you how the whip that was used to scourge him was something called a cat of nine tails, that uh, it was about 18 inches long, that the, at the end of each strap were small lead balls mixed with pieces of animal bone or metal that would tear into the body more and more with each successive tasing and that the balls would rip his skin out and they rip his bone out. And eventually he would get to a place where he just would have skin hanging and he would get hit like that 39 times. He went through all of that for your health. Notice I didn't just say, so you can be healed. I said, for your health. See, if by his stripes you were healed, that means that you are healed, right? It's like if you became a parent, then you're still a parent. And that's what Jesus did. He went through what he went through so that you could be not just healed, not just have temporary relief, you know, get a healing one time, you know, kind of a get out of jail free car. No, he went through what he went through so you could live in health, so you could be sickness free. So you could say to coronavirus or any other type of sickness or disease, not in my house. He bore our sickness and he carried our pains away forever. And so that's why John could say what he said in third John chapter one, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things, get this, and be in health just as your soul prospers. The New Living Translation says it this way, dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. Well, John is speaking to Gaius. He's, he's telling Gaius, what is the will of God for him? That's why it's in the Bible. And God's no respecter of persons. The will of God for Gaius, one of his followers, is the same as the will of God for you. He doesn't play favorites in that way. And so what we're seeing here is God is a God who wants us to be in health, not 
just someone that is getting healed. You know, I had a problem, I get healed. I have another problem, I get healed. I have another problem, I get healed. Thank God for healing. You got to go through healing to get to health. But God wants you to get to a place where you're just in health. You're healthy on Sunday and healthy on Monday and healthy on Tuesday, healthy on Wednesday, healthy in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 80s. You know, he wants you to be like Moses. Moses was 120 years old. And the Bible says his eyesight hadn't dimmed. He had the same amount of strength he had as a young man. That's what God can do for you and what he wants to do for you. He wants you to be in health, as healthy in body as you are in spirit. God doesn't want you out of physical health any more than he wants you out of spiritual health. He wants you whole spiritually and whole physically. That's why you find scriptures in James chapter 5 in verse 14 where he says, Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. Notice he starts off by saying, Are any of you sick? Who goes into a church and says, are any of you sick, right? I mean, you would think he walked in and say, for all of you that are sick or for the many of you that are sick, but they knew Jesus bore their sickness. And so he's saying that there's somebody among you that happens to be sick. Let me tell you what to do because God doesn't want you sick. He wants you healthy. And then he went on in the next chapter to tell them that we can pray one for another and we can be healed. Why? Why would he tell us that? Because he wants you healthy and he's provided for you to walk in health. You know, one of my favorite scriptures along these lines is in Mark chapter 16, where the Bible teaches that in his name, believers will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And most of us know that. It talks about how we'll speak with new tongues. It talks about how we'll take up serpents. And then it says, if you drink any deadly thing, it won't harm you. Notice he says, if you drink, and the idea here is accidentally, you don't run out and find something deadly and try it out. The Bible calls that tempting Christ. No, he's saying, if you happen to do that, then, and you drink a deadly thing, it won't even harm you. Why? Because God will protect you. He will protect your health. He'll give you immunity from that. And there's a story that I came across about uh, an evangelist by the name of John G. Lake. And John G. Lake was someone that was serving during the middle of the, of the bubonic plague. And so he talks about the fact that although they were helping people, they were going into homes and carrying out dead bodies and things like that, they never took the disease. In fact, so much so that he said this, that during the great plague that I mentioned, they sent a government ship with supplies and corps of doctors. And one of the doctors sent for me and said, what have you been using to protect yourself? Our corps has this preventative and, and we use this as protection. But we concluded that if a man could stay on the ground as you have and keep ministering to the sick and burying the dead, you must have a secret. So what is it? John G. Lake says, I answered, brother, that is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I believe that as long as I keep my soul in contact with the living God so that his spirit is flowing into my soul and body, that no germ will ever attach itself to me for the spirit of God will kill it. The man asked, don't you think you had better use our preventatives? He replied, no, but doctor, I think that you would like to experiment with me. So if you will go over to one of these dead people and take the foam that comes out of their lungs after death and then put it under the microscope, you will see masses of living germs. You'll find they are alive until a reasonable time after a man is dead. I want you to fill my hand with them and I will keep my hand under the microscope. And instead of these germs remaining alive, they will die instantly. They tried it and found out it was true. Did you see that? 
They took the germs from the bubonic plague and put it on the hand of a Christian who believed that he had divine immunity and the germs died because they touched his hand. That's what you have. That's what I have. That's why we don't have to be afraid of the coronavirus or any other virus or any other sickness or disease because sickness has not figured out how to get by God. God is protecting you. He has promised to protect you from all sickness, all disease. And if you'll just believe that, you'll find that if you were even to drink a deadly thing, it won't harm you. That a thousand could fall by your side and 10,000 by your right hand, but it won't come near you. In fact, that's what Psalm 91 says in verse five. It says, do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, Though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. No evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. You're going to be like those Hebrew boys in Daniel chapter 3 who were thrown in the fiery furnace. And the Bible says they came out not even smelling like smoke. That's what I believe God's going to do with you and your family. He's going to do with me and my family. We're going to come out of this without having had any type of sickness or disease in our bodies because we have taken the time to put God's word in our heart about this and we believe it. And every time symptoms try to show up, we speak to them and tell them to go and they obey us. There's a song that's that's pretty rampant on the internet. It went viral and I can't repeat it because it uses a cuss word, but it sticks in your head. And it's, I think it's uh, Cardi B yelling coronavirus. And, uh, you know, every time it comes in my head, I'm like, man, I got to get rid of this song. I can't think about that. But in this case, I want you to think about it. I want you to say coronavirus, not in my house. And that's exactly what you're going to have. You're going to walk in divine immunity because God loves you. And God is protecting you and you are using your faith. Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Experience podcast. Remember, God has a future for you.